We get it. You're busy. You don't have time to waste on the mainstream media. That's why Salem News Channel is here. We have hosts worth watching, actually discussing the topics that matter. Andrew Wilkow, Dinesh D'Souza, Brandon Tatum, and more. Open debate and free speech you won't find anywhere else. We're not like the other guys. We're Salem News Channel. Watch anytime on any screen for free 24-7 at snc.tv. And on local now, channel 525. Thank you for joining us today for On the Road with Jesus, hosted by Rhody Fisher. As a Christian mom for over 40 years and a teacher of the Bible in public schools for 25 years, Rhody will take you on a journey with some of her friends as they share their experiences and testimonies from their walk with Christ. You'll see that you are not alone in your search for God, your victories with Him, or your failures. Welcome to On the Road with Jesus. Now, here's your host, Rhody Fisher. Good morning, everybody, and welcome to On the Road with Jesus. So in verse 14, where it talks about us being the light of the world, it says here, You are the light of the world. In the city on a hill, a city on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on a lampstand. And it gives light to everyone in the house. In that same way, let your light shine before men that they might see your good deeds and praise the Father which is in heaven. So, yeah, we've always heard that we need to be light and salt and keep that salt salty and that light bright and don't hide it. But I keep trying to go in that direction. After I accepted the Lord in 1973, I literally became, let me just say, a loose cannon for God. If you stood, say, two feet around me, I was going to tell you about Jesus. Um, I can remember standing in line at the bank, maybe bank lines at the ATM, maybe, um, but standing in line at the bank or standing in line at the grocery store, and I used every opportunity to talk to the person either in front of me or behind me and shared what Jesus did for me and what he can do for them, you know, that he died on the cross for them. I can also remember my poor kids saying, Mom, let's go. They accepted the Lord already. Let's just get going. How much do you have to say? But, you know, I really think because I grew up in a Christian home and I should have known better possibly, but continued to reject the Lord and the knock on the door of my heart that Jesus continued to do. And also because he had healed me of cancer, of Hodgkin's disease in the third or fourth stage, I felt this compulsion to constantly talk about Jesus to people. My kids, immediately after when I told them that Jesus had died for their sins, had accepted Jesus as as their Savior. But at the time, I was married to Walt, and he saw the miracle of how God had healed me, but he didn't accept Jesus as the Savior. Last week, I mentioned that the first person that I met with this was that was a Christian after I read the Bible was this girl, Jean, Jean Maross, this lady, Jean Maross, and then her husband, Mike Maross, who took me to Melody Land, where I accepted the Lord and made a public confession of um, of accepting Jesus into my life. And the third person that I met was my friend Emily. And I used to have them over. So Emily and her husband, Don, and Mike and Jeannie Maross, I used to have them over to my house all the time because I wanted them to talk 
talk about Jesus and have Walt hear another voice of how great our God was. And they would ask, I would ask him either during the time that we were together for that um, evening gather or after. And he always said no. He actually said to me, you know, I'm a pretty good Catholic. I know that I don't go to church every Sunday, but I'm there every Christmas and every Easter. That must count for something. And besides, if I were to die, you and the kids, he says, I know I probably wouldn't go to heaven, but I know I won't go to hell. I'm really a good person. And he said, and besides, you and the kids would pray for me while I'm in purgatory, and you'll pray me right into heaven. And I said, what are you talking about? Once you're gone, you know, the Bible says, absent from the body and you're present with the Lord if you're a Christian, but we're appointed once to die, and then judgment. When you are gone, you can't invite Jesus into your heart. It's while you're here that you have to do that. Well, I can remember years of stuffing tracks into his shirts before he went to work, before he went to work, turning the channels on his radio in his car to the own, only radio Christian radio station that I knew, and he'd be pressing those buttons, and they'd all be the same one when he got home. Of course, none of that worked. Really didn't think that what would end up happening happened. And that is, one morning, Walt went to work, and he went to meet a client for breakfast. And it was about 6 or 6.30. Anyhow, Walt was a pretty active person. He played golf at least once or twice a week. He um, played tennis, but he was really a pretty good golfer and a pretty good tennis player. And he loved being outdoors. So I'd say he was really healthy. He had diabetes, but other than that, he was really pretty healthy. Anyhow, he was having breakfast with his client. All of a sudden, in a table that was a few feet away from him, this man just falls on the floor, and his wife is screaming, Can you help him? Can you help him? And Walt looks around and realizes that he's... um the one that's going to have to do this because he's had C- CPR in the past. So he knew what he was doing. And he did CPR on this really big guy. And the guy, um, people called 911 at this restaurant. And obviously that was before a lot of people had cell phones. But off he went to the hospital and Walt and this woman exchanged numbers so that we could keep in touch. So shortly after, I would say five or six days later, after that incident in the restaurant, Walt started getting sick. Um, he started with what we thought was the flu. So I remember it was around Super Bowl time and it would have, it was really difficult for him to be laying in bed while we had this big party planned. Didn't expect that he would be sick. We had, you know, like 75 people at our house for Super Bowl party, and he was laying in bed, sick with the flu. And I had told him, you have got to take a test for AIDS, because what if that person had AIDS? And he said, I don't think he had AIDS. I said, can you just go and check? Well, now that he was sick, I was really panicked. They did check him. He didn't have AIDS. And they told us that he just had the bad case of a flu. And it comes on to you like you've got kind of a flu thing. After about three weeks, he was really sick and coughed syrup and whatever. And it wasn't working. And we took him to the emergency. And he had jaundice. And he was not getting better. 
And I thought, I, I, this is more than what we can handle at home. Somebody's got to check on him. We admitted him in fiddle and we don't know what's going on. Your medication is not working. Your liver is failing and that's why you're jaundice. And so they were working on him for that. And I thought, wow, this is, what about this flu thing? What, what's going on with that? And they said, well, he has the flu on top of it. I says, yeah, but he's been taking medication and well, we've got him in the hospital now and we're going to, take care of him. And well, he was in and out of the hospital for two or three times within the next two months, not getting any better. Although his diabetes was, the jaundice had gone away, but terrible flu thing that he had just was not getting better. Well, had just been released from the hospital. Um, the phone rang and it was this woman that um, of the husband that was in the restaurant. And she called and she said she wanted to thank Walt for saving his life. And she said, I want to thank you also for giving me more time with my husband. He did pass away, but you gave us that extra time that we needed to be with everyone, the family and settle his things. And then she said something interesting. You know, he really didn't have the flu. And um, I know that when you saw him, well, he had viral cardiomyopathy or viral cardiomyopathy. And Walt said, what in the world? is that? And she says, well, it comes on you like you have the flu symptoms. And while you're in the throes of this disease, it attacks your heart muscle and your heart stretches like a balloon. And when it comes, when you're finally completely done with that disease and it leaves you with a heart that's gone into heart failure, it's limp and it doesn't work properly. And Walt could not believe his ears. He hung up the phone. He called his doctor right away. He says, I need to be checked for viral cardio myopathy. That's what that guy died from. And I think I have it. Sure enough, we took him to the doctor's office and they ran the tests and that's exactly what he had. Um, his cardiologist said to him, you have the heart of a 95-year-old man and we have to get you healthy so that we can put you on a heart transplant list. And, you know, I heard all this, and for some reason, I didn't take God for granted. But because the Lord had healed me, I thought, well, no problem. The Lord can give him a heart once he gets on that transplant list, or he can heal his heart. Because now I'm a big believer in the healing power of Jesus Christ. So surely he can do this. This is not a big job for him. And I was actually counting. On it. Walt had continued to get worse before he got better. And um, like I said, he was in and out of the hospital. And finally, um, he, he got in January. And finally, by the end of summer, we went to his cardiologist and he was feeling better, but he looked like he had just come out of a concentration camp in Auschwitz. You could count every rib on his back and from the front. I think he was about 6'1 or 6'2 and he, um, he was 130 pounds. I just believed that God was going to heal him. When we went to the cardiologist, he said, you know, Walt, you're looking really good. Your numbers are diabetes is back to normal range. Your liver is looking good. Your kidneys, your kidney numbers are, are better. Everything's looking really good. This is the first time I can tell you that I think all these months, whether you were going to make it or not, I think you're going to make it. 
They had him on the transplant list, and we walked out of that doctor's office feeling so encouraged. Well, from the doctor's office, we had an event. It was an event for an awards banquet for uh, my job, and there were hundreds of people there. He had to really rest before we went to that event, which was about, I think, 6 o'clock in the evening. So right about 4 o'clock, he, we started getting ready to go. And honestly, it was difficult for him to walk. And you know how these banquet rooms are. There's some obscure place way in the back of the hotel, and you've got to park far away. And literally, it took him forever to get there because, you know, he was walking. But while we got there, um, out of nowhere, this person sits at our table that I've never seen before. I mean, I knew who she was because she was like the top person in the company um, for the uh, for a woman, and I was so impressed with her. Her name was Brenda, and she sat right next to me, and she was so excited. And she told everyone in the room, in that in our table, and held down how happy she was that she got to lead someone to the Lord that had this obscure disease called viral cardiomyopathy. And I thought, wait a minute, Brenda, that's what Walt has. I said, that's, and she said, well, I'm going to need to talk to Walt. And she stood up without even saying another word to the table as she was in the middle of her story. And she tapped Walt on the shoulder. And I thought, he'll never go with her. I mean, he just never will. Well, when she asked him to go, he followed her. And I thought, wow, that is something. Well, they were gone for about a half an hour. We had finished eating our salad. We were finished eating our main course. And we were on to our dessert when the two of them started walking towards our table. And I noticed that Walt was crying. And Brenda was crying. And she grabbed my hand before she sat down and she said, he accepted the Lord. Well, we knew. Well, of course, she got called up to the front stage and our table was right there at the corner of the stage. And she told a group of hundreds of people, I really don't even need this award. I got my reward here. And she shared about Walt accepting Jesus as his Savior through her. And I could not believe that all those years of me stuffing things in his shirt pocket and his coat pocket and all those radio stations changing and playing all that Christian music and inviting Christian friends over and him saying, no, and here's some strange woman that he's never met before. He accepts Jesus as his Savior. I was happy but perplexed. And then God reminded me of that scripture that says, his word will not return void. Well, um, I could not believe what happened the next morning. Walt said to me, Rody, we're going to have to get on a prayer schedule. I thought, who is this man talking? He's never talked to me like that. He says, Anne, we've got to read the Bible every day. I thought, wow, this is a changed person. 
Well, I remember the first time ever that we prayed together. And Walt was a man of many words. I remember many times we'd walk into a meeting and the speaker didn't show up. And they said, Walt, can you get up there? There's 5,000 people here. Can you get up and speak? And he would just get up and talk. So he was a man of many words. And I remember the next morning praying with him for the very first time. And I remember he was praying like a little kid. You know, um, I remember my kids' prayers when they were little. They prayed for the dog. They prayed for the cat. And they had this simple language that they used that only kids use. God, take care of my cat. Heal my dog. Heal Pokey. You know how kids are. Well, that's how Walt's prayers were. They were so simple. I could hardly believe it was him. But then that scripture that says, you know, we're like little children especially when we first accept the Lord. Well, this man that had a big vocabulary was years of bugging him. He said, I've heard him to come to heaven. Um, I wanted, because I waited, I don't give up hope because Jesus hears your prayers. And the biggest thing that I wanted was for him to know Jesus and that the Lord answered. Didn't know the outcome was going to be quite the way it was. But he has a plan for us that's for good, not for evil, to give us a future and a hope. Yes, it was hard after he was gone. But, you know, several years later, um, as most of you know that know me, God brought Mark into my life. And I remember um, after Mark and I got married, and Mark is completely different from Walt. Walt was very gregarious and very loud and very do-it-fast kind of guy. And Mark is um, a lot more gentle. But I remember asking Mark, why did you marry me? And he said, because Jesus gave you to me. That's how I feel about him. But anyhow, um, be salt, be light. Come, Jesus says, follow me. And I will make you fishers of men. We're all called to that. We're not all called to be a pastor or a preacher or a prophet, but we're all called to share that light that only comes from Jesus, that salt that only comes from God, and offer people that hope that we all have in him, through him. Well, I do want to tell you something that happened to me on Saturday that I was so blown away by. Um, I was at a prayer meeting at Calvary Chapel, Chino Hills, and we had to be very diligent about sitting in the parking lot six feet apart. And um, obviously, 
things have changed here. We're um, doing things differently. We have different rules that we have to follow. And, and how are we going to teach these kids? Um, we can't get them all stuffed on the bus like we were doing all these years. Um, according to the law now, we are only allowed to have five kids in the bus because we've got to keep them six feet apart. And the two other people are the teacher and the assistant. So seven on a bus, that's all we can have. So we're praying about what's going on. And we had such a beautiful prayer time with Jesus. Mind you, in the rain, we all had our umbrellas or something to cover our heads. And it was such a powerful time of prayer for um, the kids in Chino Hills, where we'll be teaching again, hopefully. I believe we are. Um, release time education. And um, so wonderful. And so we're giving everybody, you know, knuckles or fist bumps and hugs, kind of air hugs. Some of us were throwing caution to the wind and giving us hugs, giving each other hugs anyway. And um, I felt like I was kind of floating on air. Um, and I needed to go to Costco to get a bunch of stuff. And I decided since I was in Chino Hills, I just scoot over to the Chino Hills Costco right there. And I'm shopping around and doing my thing. And I hear somebody screaming from way over there. Miss Rody, Miss Rody, I turn around and there's one of my students who will be graduating this June, like at the end of the month. And I said, Oh my goodness, Aaron, how are you? And he said, I'm doing really good. I just really miss you and Mr. Mark. I think I told you Mark is my um, assistant for release time in Chino Hills. And he says, and where is he? I said, he's working at Calvary Chapel, Anaheim, doing the yard. I said, I'm sorry, but I'll tell you, I'll tell him I met you here. And so he says, great. Well, I see his parents, and they look so much like him, and um, I said, Aaron, are these your parents? Introduce me. And so he introduces me. He says, um, this is my dad, Jose, and this is my mom, Elizabeth. And I said, wow, Elizabeth, just like the Bible. You know, Jesus was, was uh, Mary was pregnant with Jesus while Elizabeth was pregnant with John the Baptist. And she says, yes, I know that story. And then I said to her, um, the father, Jose, um, you know, Mark and, and Aaron would walk together as they, um, got picked up from the class. Aaron would talk to Mark on the way to the bus and on the way back from the bus. And one of those trips, he had told Mark that he was adopted. And um, 
so we got to share with him how much he had in common with Jesus because his dad, who is Jose, which is really Joseph too, um, was his adopted dad, just like Jesus had an adopted dad. He was so excited. Anyhow, I was so blessed by that. Um, and, and such an exciting day for me on Saturday. Um, got my shopping done and got to go home and share that with everybody and share that with, uh, Mark too. Um, so I really would like to, at this time, invite anyone who has never, ever invited Jesus into their heart and made them his, their Lord and Savior um, to have this chance. So I'm going to say this little prayer, and you can follow after me. And it could be in your own words. This is not even a written-down prayer. It's just words. And if you really mean it in your heart, Jesus recognizes that. Dear Jesus, thank you for dying on the cross for me. I'd like to invite you into my heart, Lord, and wash it clean as white as snow. Be my Lord and Savior today and help me to walk the walk with you. Help me to find a good church and to stay in the word every day. Lead me and guide me in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for being here today for On the Road with Jesus with your host, Rody Fisher. Every week, you'll hear experiences and testimonies from her and her friends as they share their journey with Jesus. You'll see that you're not alone in your search for God, your victories with Him, or your failures. If you have a question about today's show, email Rody Fisher at rawfisher at ontheroadwithjesus.com. Spelled R-A-H, Fisher, at on the R-H-O-D-E with Jesus.com. Or leave a voicemail at 951-817-0094. That's 951-817-0094. On the Road with Jesus is sponsored by Global Expressions Language Project. Learn more at asquaredlamps.org. That's the letter A, squaredlamps.org. Be sure to join us each week at this same time for more On the Road with Jesus, hosted by Rody Fisher.